This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. The city of Brussels is still on complete lockdown because of the fact that the Paris attacks happened and then one of the suspects was seen crossing into Belgium. So they think this guy is still on the loose there and you could end up seeing some sort of Paris-style attack there. If that's the case, they want to be prepared. So this is how they're being prepared. They've shut the city down all weekend and it continues today. That means all government offices, uh, schools, universities, even the subway was shut down. And then the prime minister said, hey, we really should shut down and is asking everybody to shut down all sporting events, as well as malls, shopping centers, strip malls, all of that completely shut down. And they're calling it a serious and imminent threat. Now, that very well may, may be the case, but my question is, if something like this is actually going on, why do you actually do a date down to it? It's, it wouldn't you necessarily think that after, uh, after the lockdown is, is done, isn't that when they're going to attack? You would think it says, okay, we're going to go ahead and keep everything locked down until next Thursday. Don't you think that would... <laughs> Make people more apt to go ahead and go on Friday and carry out your. That's a really good point. Okay, so the, I understand you got to do something, right? You feel like you got to do something. You got to try to protect people. But to your point, Skip, yeah, you go, okay, we're shutting it down. I mean, it's not like the terrorist is in the cone of silence and can't hear what the PM says. He can't. He can't read newspapers, watch television, listen to the radio. All of that. He's not, he's not exposed to. He's just wandered around. Oh, everything's shut down. I guess I better not blow anybody up. Well, it's the same argument, too, into how we, uh, we withdraw the number of troops that were in Iraq or <laughs> Afghanistan. If you actually lay out the timetable of, okay, this is when we'll be taking people out. This is when the security will go back to normal. Doesn't that make you more, uh, more apt to be attacked at that point? Unfortunately, what you're dealing with, Skip, I think is what we see a lot of times in America, and that is the illusion of security and safety. This is what most people want, and this is what politicians love. They know that even if they were perfect in everything they did, the best that we could hope for is eventually we will be the victims of terror again. I mean, it may be 400 years, it may be 10,000 years, but eventually these things are going to happen. So you aim for the best, and you make sure everybody know what's, knows what's going on. This is, this is reality. Eventually something will happen, but we can certainly make it a lot better than it has been. But we prefer the illusion of security. Politicians love it because they get a pass. Politicians get to say, I'm out there doing something. I've shut the city down, the subway, making sure nobody's at malls so they can't blow us up there. <laughs> the reality is they'll just do it a different time, right? They'll just wait until they lift that ban. I mean, look at our own TSA, the illusion of security. 95% failure rate, Skip. 95% with the TSA, and we still... Pay these knuckleheads gobs and gobs of money, and we still put up with their BS. I don't know what the answer is, though. I mean, I think ISIS is definitely a threat, as they've proven, or these types of attacks, which we saw in Paris. I mean, what is the answer, then, at this point? We had the, we had the Russian um, airplane that was taken down with a soda pop uh, a bomb. I mean, you can't just uh, lay out your plans in terms of things are going to be on high alert until this date, but what is the answer? I think the, clearly the answer is go back to the George W. Bush administration's many terror levels that were color-coded. Oh, see, That's the way to that go. That way we know if it's like an orange day or if it's like <laughs> right. a yellow day. 
Right, exactly. And then you can say, hey, it's went up to orange. Maybe I won't fly today. I and mean, then like on the anniversary of 9-11, we go to red. Red. We go to red, all the way to and red. And then, okay, nothing, drop it down just a little bit. See, at least that way you understand, mm -hmm. you know? Then you know exactly how, how at threat you are. Do you realize during his administration, it rarely changed off of orange? Yeah, it was orange like the entire time. The entire time. It's BS. Again, it's the illusion. With the, with the exception of around 9-11, the couple of days before, we're going to bump it up one level. Down the orange the whole time. Well, I'm glad you asked about the solution. We will take your solutions as well. It's 888-727-BECK. Uh, 888-727-BECK if you want to join the program on the telephone or again on Twitter with the hashtag what I learned today. We're looking for some suggestions. What would you do? What do you tell the White House? Now, we're not experts, but we can certainly see through a bunch of this BS. I would suggest a couple of things. Number one, I think a key component for the long haul of battling terror has to be better marketing of America and Americans. I mean, uh, what's the documentary, Six Days in Iraq? Um, uh, yes, yeah, the, the special that aired on, on, on the Blaze TV a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just talking to some of the producers, and they were talking about the relationship they had with just the average person. The average person in Iraq, they don't mean any harm. Right? The people they were dealing with, they don't want us harm. They were very supportive and loving and nice people, whatever. And we certainly are in mass. Americans are. We want to help the world. We do help the world. But they don't know that. And we don't know them. Ignorance, we know, has been the response or is uh, one of the things that is responsible for a lot of bad throughout history. Misconceptions, misunderstandings. So we need better marketing of America and Americans. And by that, I don't mean diplomacy. Diplomacy is fine, but diplomacy is talking our president to some other leader who most of the time is bought and paid for by us or a dirtbag totalitarian. It has to be the marketing of American to other citizens of the world where we say this is who we are and this is what we want and please this is why we support freedom and this is what the First Amendment means and when we get that over the long haul then we can reach a basic understanding and we can tell them listen if you don't want us occupying your country then you've got to take care of these bad guys that are running your country well and I think it's in the same way too that yeah a small group of people have have uh, carved up and, and, and made this uh, these fears and extrapolated things works the same thing with uh, 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 liberals and Republicans too or the black community and the white community is that we're all humans I think we all generally have feelings that are a lot closer to it but it's these small segment of people like Al Sharpton that's a that's a lightning rod to divide blacks against whites. It's the same thing with uh, with all around the world too. We all just want to go on, live our lives, and uh, and do our thing. I don't think that uh, most people really generally want to keep that hatred going. So you have to ask yourself, why then? Why don't we understand each other? And I'm not just talking Iraqis. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter people. Skip. Why don't we understand each other? There's so much common ground. There's mainly common ground. Ninety some percent. We agree with the same things. Slight variations in opinion on how we get there. But most things we agree on. We do. So why are we separated? Because people have separated us, and they benefit from it. We know that. That's, that's the age-old plan. And the same thing is true in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria. Who's benefiting from this? Not the Syrians. <laughs> They're not. Assad, he's not so much anymore. Saddam Hussein, right? <laughs> he's not benefiting from it. Who's benefiting from it? Politicians in America who go, they're coming to get us. Let's keep you safe by infringing all of your rights and spending your money, whatever. And who's pulling their strings? The people who financially benefit off of it. The big companies in America who say, hey, if you go to war, we're going to make a lot of money. That's the truth. That's what we have to battle. So I think the first part of defeating ISIS or battling any terrorism or keeping America safe is 
some sort of connection with the people of the world so they know who we are, what we stand for, and we understand them. That's not some nice uh, song and dance all about peace and love and faith and hippie talk. It's the truth. We need to understand each other. Now, that's long-term plan. A short-term plan, we need to kick a little ass. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it is. We need to go get the bad guys. And I'm always torn. There's always this balance. Number one, we shouldn't be arming rebels and just saying, go get those bad guys or whatever. If we're committed, if we're vested in that, then we ought to put troops in. We ought to fight our battles if we believe in that cause. That's not to say we also can't blow some stuff up along the way. You don't have to lead with the troops if there's a different way to get it done. But your question on troops, though, what type of troops do you, do you put in there? Do you do a big shock and awe where you bring 100,000 troops, put them on the ground? Or do you do more special forces when you send a group of 500 or so special forces in there that are specially trained as terrorist hunters? Barbary pirates. The Barbary pirates. That's the answer. You, you want to send the Barbary pirates to go after ISIS? If we can get them. If they're not available, then we send people to fight them like they fought the Barbary pirates. This is how you have to battle. If we no longer fight conventional wars, or that's not the wars we're fighting now, we no longer at this point fight a country. We're not at war with Russia. We're not at war with a certain country. Even the war in Iraq, we were not fighting all of Iraq and the Iraqi government. Hell, we propped up the government, put our own people in for a while, right? No, it's this it's that ambiguous exactly. war on terror that we're fighting. We're fighting an idea. We're fighting ideals. Exactly. People with those ideals. So we have to fight those people. And the way you do that, traditionally you go, okay, we're fighting a country, so we invade the country. And there's land forces and there's air forces and there's boats if it's port and whatever. No, we go after those individual people and you do them with pirate hunters. That's all they are. I mean, by a different name, they are individuals out there causing hell. And you target them with extreme prejudice. Now, Skip, I'm fine with saying spend, send special forces in. We don't need the same traditional lines and forces and, you know, this is where the front is and all of that stuff. The front is individual bad guy hunters. And maybe special forces is it. I mean, people with more knowledge than I over special forces in the military, better military planners could tell you that. But you send in either special forces and you ramp them up and you quadruple the number of special forces and you say, go kill these people with extreme prejudice, kill them. But I suggest something else. Maybe it's time for a new designation for the Marine Corps. That's how they got their start, fighting pirates. Maybe that's what the Marine Corps could be. I mean, that's just one suggestion. I don't know. But we need individuals out there fighting terrorists. Well, then you have the question, too, of, well, when do you win the war? How do you win the war? I mean, you, do you actually have to kill every single person that has these ideals of ISIS? It's the same type of thing when we talk about these regimes out there, too. If you take out the top person, there's another bad guy right there who's going to have the same ideals and wants the same causes who will do the same type of recruiting. Well, and that's the reason that marketing is so important, uh, important in this aspect as well. So you're also explaining to people, and, and if you're liberating and doing the right things, without occupying, so to speak, or any of the negatives that come along with it, you're going to cut down on some of those bad guys that are following them. But I would say um, we have a long way to go before we start worrying about, okay, have we now ended? You may never be completely done with it. You may never get every bad guy, and that's fine. But I think you can get most of them at this point, and you can say, okay, then the war will shift, so to speak. Um, you, you just go hunt the bad guys. That has to be part of it. Well, and I think one thing that's going to push that and actually push uh, more people getting involved is as, as these terrorists start attacking different countries, now that they've hit France again, now that they've taken down a Russian airliner, the more nations that they can actually cause terror on, they're going to piss off these countries to actually get involved. We saw France uh, uh, heavily stepped up their airstrikes after the Paris attacks. 
said, oh, well, you want to come after us? Well, here you go. As more countries start getting attacked, more countries are going to be invested in this. Now, I just explained to you, I think part of the solution is you've got to go and kill bad people. So keep that in mind with what I'm about to say. I also think we're being manipulated here. I th yes, of course ISIS is a problem, and of course if they grow, it's going to be a much bigger problem for us. But I'm just a little concerned about ending up like George W. Bush's administration again with these never-ending wars and gobs and gobs of money and human life lost, especially American lives lost. For what? Where are we? And yes, I know Obama screwed up some of it afterwards with Iraq and Afghanistan. I get that. I know that. But I just feel like I'm being played here. Doesn't this seem all too convenient to go and spend a bunch of money on a war machine again? You've got uh, the, the British prime minister has just said this is what he's committed to. 12 billion pounds. He's committed to 12 billion pounds for a 5,000 strong strike force to be formed to take out ISIS. So David Cameron says 112 billion is uh, roughly 20 billion American dollars, something like that. So they can have this rapid reaction troop force. It's on a 10-year campaign. The two rapid reaction units will be established to become Britain's fastest ever ground force, launching lightning attacks, he says. Lightning attacks? Lightning attack For 10 years. This is what he's committed to. $20 billion in 10 years? That's, that's right now. Doesn't this sound like we've been down this road before? Marco Rubio came out. He has a four-point plan. Genius political move for him, by the way. He writes this op-ed piece that says, four-point plan to take out ISIS. First of all, his goal is do whatever it takes, which is pretty open-ended to me. Do whatever it takes? I like the sound of that. No, there's a lot I... No, ISIS is a huge problem. Take him out. But whatever it takes? I'm not sure I'm willing to commit to that. Another Patriot Act, something even worse? Spying on all Americans? Rounding up Americans? No, I'm not doing whatever it takes. Do smart things to take out ISIS, kill the bad guys. So that's the first thing. Second of all, he said he wants to um, go ahead and look at the visa waiver program. The visa waiver program we have that right now you can waive the visa you need to come into America for as a tourist, let's say, if you're from certain countries that we're friendlier with that we believe there's less likely a threat from. He said we, we basically scrutinize those people even more. So which hurts tourism and everything else. But the big problem is, this is a guy who is fine with amnesty. Marco Rubio was part of the Gang of Eight and said, I'm fine with giving amnesty to the 11 to 25 million people that are here. So first of all, his plan is, let's look at that visa waiver system and let's secure that border and whatnot. And let's, the second part of the plan, let's stop all Syrian refugees. I'm fine with that right now. I want and believe America should bring in as many people legally as we can, especially res uh, refugees. That's what we should be doing, provided we know who they are. So he makes a good point. We've got to stop because we don't know their background. The problem is Marco Rubio already wants to leave 11 to 25 million people already in America, and we have no idea their background. Well, but see, he doesn't want to have the U.S. refugees because he's already committed all his amnesty passes to the 20 million illegals that are here. So then you can't bring in all these refugees, too, because then that's just too many. And he's right. There's no way for us to actually monitor these people, but they're what are, do a background check right. on these people accurately. But you know what? They can't do that for the 20 million people he wants to give amnesty to either that are already here. And none of that matters as long as it's so easy just to go down to Juarez and walk on over to El Paso. Yeah, that's, by the way, without securing the border. But Marco Rubio is essentially telling you that those 11 to 25 million people, I got them. I vouch for them. They're all good people. Don't worry. I checked them all out. That's what he's saying with his Gang of Eight amnesty.
because he just told us refugees coming in, there's no way to check their background. Do we know the background of any of those illegals? None. Then his next plan, he says, uh, he wants to get rid of those sequestration cuts for the military. So he wants to spend more money as well. And he wants to take out Assad. That's the other part of his plan. Got to take out Assad, which I agree with. Assad's a bad guy, but regime change? Okay, that's fine. With troops on the ground and all of this? That's the George W. Bush administration. We're going right back to that. How did that work? Is that good? Is that swell? Are you prepared to go into every country, clean up everybody? I'm not. Marco Rubio sounds like a bit of a fail to me. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440.